Explore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. and I would like to say thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, do please write to alecjan at gmail.com and do write podcast in the subject line. Thank you. Chapter 8. Crossing the Sahara. 2nd to the 7th of March, 1977. Algeria. More tea? I asked as we finished up our breakfast of yummy scotch pancakes. Alec passed his mug for a refill from the insulated white plastic teapot as he checked over the day's route ahead on the map. Well, I guess we'll just keep the compass bearing due south once we leave the tarred road. The map shows hardly any trail at all for the desert crossing. Today we must prepare for the long-haul journey. I'll take the jerry cans and their carrying frames off the roof rack and fit them on the sides of the Land Rover. Plus, I must replace the thermostat as the engine has been running too cold. OK, I'll do the washing and then restock the cupboards with more dried food from the roof box, I added. Shall we go and explore downtown later? We need to buy bread and also methylated spirit to start up the cooker. Sure, let's get started. After the chores were done, we walked into Gardia, a pleasant town spread out in the valley with housing areas on three hills, each with its own minaret, the tower from which the imam calls the faithful to prayer. In the main square was the market with goods displayed on the ground. Surprisingly for the location, there was a variety of fresh vegetables, including an abundance of carrots for sale. Having bought the items we needed, we walked through the back streets, passing many houses. It was refuse collection day, and everyone's rubbish was in a variety of containers outside their doors. The dustman, dressed in blue cotton overalls with hat and gloves, emptied the rubbish into wicker baskets, which were slung either side of their donkey's backs. Lots of children were having fun playing in the streets. The girls wore frilly dresses made of gold-threaded material and the boys were clad in traditional cool cotton tunics and baggy trousers. It was heartwarming to hear their joyful voices as they played in the sunshine. After two hours roaming around Gardia, we walked back to the campsite to collect the Land Rover. We called in at the garage for fuel, and the attendant filled the two petrol tanks and six jerry cans to the brim. Unsurprisingly, fuel prices increased the further south one ventured in Algeria. The tarmac road led us through the gravel desert with multi-hued sand dunes in the distance, from soft dull beiges to bright golden orange as the sun lit up and cast shadows across the landscape. We passed herds of sheep, goats, donkeys and camels. It was hard to see what they survived on with such sparse vegetation. Reaching El Galia, a palm grove oasis, we stopped to refuel again and top up our water supply while we had the chance. A few irritating lads pestered us for money, 
One tried to pull off our GB sticker and another threw a stone as we left. We continued on a few miles to be well away from any dwellings and found a great parking spot with a marvellous view of the oasis and two nearby lakes. A vivid crimson sunset was painted in the sky. We always parked facing our most direct route away in case any emergency situation should arise, such as unwelcome threatening locals. Not that we'd had any cause to be concerned, as the people were generally very friendly and left us in peace. However, whilst travelling in a strange land, we thought it wise to take such precautions. We had read that overlanders were advised to park near to dwellings, but we preferred to be well apart. That way, we could be alert to any unusual sounds and take action if necessary. We also cherished the quietness. After a full day's drive, with the noise of the Land Rover engine thundering in our ears. By seven the next morning, exactly one month since leaving England, we drove away from our campsite along a good-surfaced road. For hours we went across completely flat, featureless gravel plains, although the land in fact rose 1,000 feet over the 200 miles as we headed into a strong wind making slow progress. We became hypnotised by the sameness and thought it would never end. Suddenly we reached the ridge of a 300 feet high escarpment where a panoramic rugged canyon opened out before us with high rocky cliffs, cowboy country type butts and sand dunes. To top it all, we found Ian and Barbara, the New Zealand couple, had already arrived and put the kettle on. I photographed the scene before us, had a cuppa and drank in the majestic vista. We continued on a further 40 miles before we parked for the night on the sand dunes, two miles north of Insela, the last outpost before we would tackle the desert for real. In the morning, Alec changed the engine oil and did a final pre-desert crossing check of the Land Rover. All seemed to be well. Not far from where we were camped, we could see the Berlin trucks stuck in deep sand. They were lapping up the chance to use their winch, sand ladders, ropes and any other equipment to extract the trapped trucks. We drove the short distance to the red clay town of Insula and went on walkabout. There we bumped into an English couple who had driven north from Zambia. Ian and Barbara happened to come by too, so the four of us joined up on what to expect on the route to Nairobi. We made plans with Ian and Barbara to travel together for the first part of the desert crossing. Alec, we should top up our water whilst we have the chance, I mentioned before we left the town. I'll take this plastic water jerry can over to that cafe and see if they'll let me fill it up, Alec offered. He returned with the jerry can full of water. Not sure that was a good idea or not. Why's that? I asked. The sink in which I had to stand the jerry can under the tap was slick and stinky. I've washed my hands since, but I can't get rid of the smell. Ugh! I shuddered. Next we stopped at the sub-prefecture office to inform the police that we were driving south to Tamamrasset. Supposedly, they'd send out a search party if we didn't arrive and report at the destination police station after the expected period of time it took to travel across the desert. It was vital to take the maximum amount of fuel on board so Alec took down the extra six metal jerry cans from behind Dad's box on the roof rack. Once filled, they were stored in the back of the Land Rover to be used to top up the main fuel tanks as soon as possible. 
In total, we had 75 gallons of fuel and 20 gallons of water for the desert crossing. We felt well prepared for the challenge and excited to see how our Land Rover would perform off-road, using all its cross-country capabilities. At noon, we left Insula with Ian and Barbara in convoy, as the imam's call to prayer hailed from the mosque. Alec drove, while I kept busy making notes of the changing scenery and landmarks. 146 miles later, the tarmac road stopped and the Land Rover plunged straight into the desert. Unbelievable, I cried. You'd have thought there would be some indication of where to go. There's no markers, no cairns, no stakes, just dozens of wheel tracks going every which way through the sand. Alec hesitated for a moment, wondering which track to choose, as none was more defined than another. Hang on, I'll follow that local Land Rover bombing along. He should know where he's going. Alec headed off in a southeasterly direction, following the cloud of dust chucked up by the stranger's vehicle. Ian and Barbara followed closely in their dormobile, and we added to the many tracks going the same way. Twenty-five miles on, we were stuck in soft sand, but with a united push our vehicle was soon out. Not long after, we called a halt and parked up for the night, just where we were hoping there would be no nighttime travellers careering across the sand. Celebrating our arrival in the desert, Barbara served us each a slice of delicious Christmas cake and a mug of hot chocolate. The next morning, with unknown hazards before us, our two vehicles set off from camp at seven. Much navigational note-taking all day as we drove across difficult terrain. 4,655 miles Compass bearing 190 degrees, rolling rocky plain with soft sandy dips. 4,657 miles, rock hills to east, sand dunes to west, green patchy grass along sandy dip. 4,658 miles, gravel plain. 4,659 miles, small herd of donkeys heading east, strips of sand and green grass. 4,661 miles, 7.30am, 190 degrees, clump of white rocks, tufts of long brown grass, track gravelly, hills and sand dunes. 4,662 miles, black hill to west near sand dunes, small camel herd to east, stop to take a few photos. 4,664 miles, 8am, compass bearing, 192 degrees. Sand dunes to west, rocky hills east. 4,667 miles, white post, cairns, close to hills, seems a definite track, corrugations. 4,671 miles, alongside Tarmac Road in construction, camp for workers, grass hut restaurant, signs to Taman Russet. 4,673 miles, 8.30 a.m., 218 degrees, Arak Gorge, now driving on well-defined corrugated track. 4,677 miles, at 8.45am, compass bearing 216 degrees, sand dune to west, backtracked half a mile as we had lost sight of Ian and Barbara, saw they were okay coming along route by hills. I recorded as much as I could of what we were seeing out of the window, taking compass readings as well 
as we rocked and rolled along, driving over bone-shaking corrugated tracks when even your teeth felt as if they could fall out. I raised my hand and ran my fingers over the rivets on the underside of the handmade roof to see if they were still in place. Remarkably, they had not been dislodged. 4,687 miles. Algerian boy living in makeshift shelter, cadging cigarettes. 4,691 miles. Abandoned dead Peugeot car. 4,692 miles. Spot two men ahead in red Volkswagen van with German registration. 4,696 miles. 10.15am. Compass bearing 148 degrees. Stop to drink water. Doing 12 miles an hour to 12 miles to the gallon. 4,706 miles. Mirage of crystal clear water scene. Great driving across flat sandy desert. 4,712 miles. 11.30am. Construction camp. Track of new road. Citroen and Land Rover rally vehicles going north. 4,722 miles. Narrow valley, soft sand track, twisting around scrub vegetation and trees. Whoa, looks like they're in trouble. Alex said when he saw in the rearview mirror that Ian and Barbara's dormobile was firmly stuck in the sand. He slowed down and returned to where they were. Need a hand? Alec asked as we pulled alongside. Too right, man. It's stuck solid, Ian replied. Stop revving the engine. You're going nowhere. Your back wheels are just spinning. Alec cautioned. The belly of the dormobile was nestled firmly on a wide ridge of sand. It looked like a beginner swimmer doing doggy paddle. A lot of flailing of limbs but going nowhere. The van was stuck in a sea of sand and needed our help. OK, all hands on deck, Alex said as he took our shovel out of the back of the Land Rover. Ian fetched his and they dug out the sand from underneath and in front of all four wheels of the dormobile. Then they made a slope in front of the vehicle for it to climb up out of its trap. Barbara and I did our bit when the guys needed a breather. That should do, said Alec. Now where are your sand ladders? Barbara brought their two sand ladders from the back of their van. These were made from angle iron, which had been welded into short, narrow, robust ladders. Ian climbed back into the driver's seat and put the van into first gear. Alec firmly positioned the ladders in front of the two rear driving wheels. Come over here, girls, and be ready to push, Alec directed. Barbara and I positioned ourselves at the back of their vehicle. We were poised to quickly retrieve the ladders as the wheels would drive them down into the sand and we didn't want to lose them. Ready? asked Ian as he turned on the engine. Go ahead, Alec shouted. We three pushed hard. The wheels moved forwards, on and off the sand ladders, but immediately got stuck again in the gripping sand. Not enough momentum to keep going forward. Oh, heck! What the devil do we do now? exclaimed Ian as he jumped out of the van. We'll have to use our winch, Alec decided. But first she'll need digging out again. We fetched our water bottles and took a good swig of hot fluid. Nothing stayed cool in the desert. The temperature right then was 90 degrees Fahrenheit with no shade. We all wore the traditional Bedouin headdress to help protect our heads and necks from the sun's unrelenting rays. Alec and I were dressed in long-sleeved red velour shirts and bell-bottom blue jeans 
we'd lace up tan leather shoes to protect our feet from the hot sand. Feeling shattered, but knowing we had to free the dormobile without delay, we dug the sand away again, then repositioned the ladders, at that time behind the rear wheels. Alec climbed up onto the bonnet of the Land Rover and stood on the spare wheel. He unlocked the lid of the wooden storage box and reached in for a long hemp rope. Then he jumped down and carried this across to the stricken vehicle, wondering who in their right mind would travel across the wilderness in such a domestic contraption. He attached the rope securely to the chassis beneath its back doors. Alec walked back a good distance to our Land Rover with the rest of the rope and wound the other end around the capstan winch. Meanwhile, I got in the driver's seat of our vehicle, ready to turn on the engine and press the accelerator when instructed. Ian was back at the wheel of his van and Barbara stood by watching the sand ladders, ready to retrieve them as soon as their vehicle was out of the way. All set, Alec called. Thumbs up from everyone. Jan, turn on the engine but don't put it in gear. I'll tell you when to press the accelerator. With the engine on, Alec pulled the lever on the winch and it engaged. He indicated to me to accelerate the engine slowly. The capstan turned, pulling on the rope which became taut. We were all eyes on the van. Slowly, slowly it began to edge its way out of the sand's grip. The power of the engine exerted itself through the rope and suddenly the dormobile was free. Hooray! We all cheered and clapped. Back en route for only three miles when Ian and Barbara's vehicle was stuck again. We turned back a second time only to drive our Land Rover into deep soft sand. Fortunately, with digging and using the sand ladders, both vehicles moved on to firmer ground. 4,736 miles, signed to Tamman Russet, 300 kilometres. 4,737 miles, 3.40 p.m., compass bearing 158 degrees. Sandy terrain with strange boulders. One with eyes drawn on looks like a bear. 4,741 miles, sandy plain, swell to drive across, just like in the movies. 4,751 miles, red rocky hills ahead. 4,760 miles, 4.50 p.m., arrived at the tomb of Marabou of Moulay Hass and given a free coffee by the Guardian. Following the local custom, we drove three times around the small white building for good luck. 4,767 miles, 5.40 p.m., temperature 80 degrees Fahrenheit, we stopped for the night by some rocky hills. The hill we parked by glowed golden with the setting sun. Sand was everywhere in the Land Rover and we looked and felt dirty. There was sand in our hair, eyes, ears and noses, under our fingernails and between our toes. Alec and I had as good a wash as we could, using a small bowl of water, soap and a flannel. Ian and Barbara, who had parked the other side of the hill, popped around after dinner. We drank Ovaltine and mulled over the day's antics before retiring for a well-earned sleep, having driven 272 miles across the first section of the Sahara. We felt satisfied with our achievement, but not complacent, for who knew what the following day would bring?
Alec and I had an early start the next morning, when our alarm rang at four. I'd set the clock wrong, but it was just as well as Alec noticed the rear left shock absorber seal was leaking oil. Three hours later, after he fixed the problem, we departed. Ian and Barbara followed on behind us, and within two miles we saw a sign to Tamam Russet, 250 kilometres. We made a mental calculation of how far that was in miles to gauge on our British Land Rover's milometer. It was good to know that we were following a definite track by the inevitable corrugations that proved many vehicles went that way. At midday, driving due south at a compass bearing of 180 degrees, we drove with determination through an extensive area of very soft sand. Having negotiated this successfully, we stopped to check where Ian and Barbara were at that point. With binoculars, Alex spotted them way back in the distance, taking a different route. Strange that they hadn't mentioned they might go it alone, and we hadn't seen any flashing headlights from them at all. 4,830 miles, no sign of mapped tarmac road, twisting and turning along sandy tracks. 4,833 miles, signed to Tamman Russet, track cut through grey, rocky land and hills. 4,841 miles, good track, old tyres, rubbish, oil drums littering landscape. 4,862 miles, 1pm, driving south at 190 degrees, passed by road construction vehicles. 4,883 miles, compass bearing 180 degrees, past lorry full of sheep, sandy track, patchy corrugations. 4,891 miles, took a sandy route off the main track to avoid the torturous corrugations. After two and a half miles, the track petered out, so we had to retrace our steps. That was not a good idea. 4,909 miles, 3.50pm, 200 degrees, stopped for a snack and drink by a huge white concrete block with a significant sign, Tamarasset, 45 kilometres, took a photo. 4,910 miles, yellow mud houses, palm trees, goats and Tuareg Bedouins. 4,923 miles, another small village, this time with large walled compounds. 4,927 miles, we stopped for the night, parked on very rugged terrain. Total distance driven, 4,927 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, Presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.